Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources to remind you that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 255, I have the privilege of chatting with my friend, Ruth Simons. She's a mom to six boys, a speaker, an artist over at Grace Laced, and the author of the new book, Beholding and Becoming the Art of Everyday Worship. Because at the end of the day, every action we have is really stemming out of our belief and our worship. And so how you think and how you believe and what you believe is the most beautiful and worthy of gazing at in your life will actually translate into what you do next, what your little moments every day are accumulating to be for a lifetime. I don't know if you're like me and you get caught up in the hustle of our fast-paced culture, or maybe you get sucked into the social media and you're comparing your life and your focus and your gaze is not fixed on what where you know it should be. But instead of feeling guilt, Ruth and I in this conversation want to inspire you to think about what you're worshiping and to think about how when we focus our attention on Christ, it transforms us and maybe not in a way that the world is going to applaud, but in the hidden places. I know that after my conversation with Ruth, it really did change where I spent my time and where I gave my attention. So I hope it does the same for you. And because we realize you are busy moms on the go and you don't have time to listen to the longer episodes, we actually took the last 15 minutes of my conversation with Ruth and we created a special private YouTube link that we're going to send out to those of you that get my Monday Ola Heather emails. That's going to go out next Monday. So if you aren't on that list, go over to Ola Heather. Ola starts with an H, just like Heather, H-O-L-A, Heather.com. And put in your email, you will get that link and you can listen to Ruth answering your questions. Another way I want to help save you time and your sanity while improving quality time with your family around the dinner table and in the evening is to introduce you to Prep Dish. It's one of this month's sponsors and it's an amazing meal planning subscription service. It's especially great if your family enjoys paleo, gluten-free or keto diets. So what it is, is every Friday I get this PDF and it has different choices for dinners. I can make everything on the meal plan or pick and choose what I want. And then I go through the grocery list. I purchase the ingredients and I could prep everything with their prep day instructions in one afternoon or kind of space it out every night. What I love is my boys are getting exposure to a lot of different foods and it's simplifying my thought process about what's for dinner. If you want to check it out, they're giving away one month for only $4 if you go to preptish.com forward slash DMA. That's one month for only $4 over at preptish.com forward slash DMA. All right, let's get to my chat with Ruth. Here we go. Hey, Ruth, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thanks for having me, friend. I'm just thrilled to have you back because you did come on the show. I looked it up, episode 23, back in May of 2014, and we've got a lot to catch up on. Yes, totally. <laughs> so tell everyone, the listeners who were have been with us since 2014, uh, how old are your kids now? Yeah. Um, yes, I'm Ruth. I'm a mom to six boys and um, my oldest is 17, heading to college this fall. And my youngest is six. We homeschool. So he's kind of in that, like, are you in first grade? Maybe something like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, when we first met, I think I had a baby and you were about to have your youngest. So just a whole different world and going off to college. Seriously. It's wild, isn't it? It's wild. (laughs) And I'm sure, I mean, as you're launching him, do you have those moments where you're like, okay, I forgot to teach him one, two, all these things. Like, are you having those moments? The other day, I, I did not say this publicly on Instagram, but I wrote something about dental bills. Yeah, the other day he had a cavity, my 17-year-old. And I was like, what happened? Like, what's going on? And I just don't think I had like really, really trained him on the art of flossing his teeth as well as he should. <laughs> and I literally had a moment where I was like, okay, of all the things that he's trained up right in, I mean, he is the best conversationalist. He's a respectful young man. But man, I, I did flossing. Like I needed to give him better instruction on that. <laughs> Girl, I'm right there with you. We're headed to the dentist this afternoon. And I'm sure it's like embarrassing. I had I, my head down in shame whenever I take the voice to the dentist. Like, oh, hey, you man. can't be good at everything. That's what I always say. Okay, like we literally good. can't be good at everything. So no, right there. If a mom listening, she feels better already. Can't be good at everything. <laughs> but I would think you probably get feedback from people. They see your beautiful life and your gifts and how you take photography and your way with words and your boys are just so handsome and and well-trained that they think, well, I'm doing it wrong. Ruth has got it figured out and she's doing everything right. Do you ever hear that? Um, occasionally, but I think it, you know, I think we all, um, kind of run around every day thinking that somebody else does mm-hmm. it better than us. I think that so I think that all the time yeah. that somebody else does it better or somebody else has it all figured out. Somebody else's chore chart works better than mine, <laughs> you know, yeah. or that the other day we got into the biggest argument, Troy and I, because I basically had a, listen, Troy and I wrote a book on family worship and developing family culture and family worship that all that stuff for next year. And I literally had a huge argument with him recently where I was like, we're not who we want to be. You know? And so, I mean, if there's just, I just mean, you can know things, you can write about things, Mm -hmm. but there is nothing that will change you more than working that out in the mess of your personal life. And so for us, that means are we behind on teaching the boys exactly what's required um, every night before they go to bed and how clean their room is? Yeah, we're still working on that. We're still working on whose turn is it to clean the bathroom. Mm-hmm. We're still working on how long do you have to practice piano? Like it's not perfect. And um, you know, speaking to the Instagram and social media world, I'd just say, you know, I think that we've uh, we've lost the art of being able to gaze at beauty and consider how beautiful God has made everything around us to remind us of him. And so one of my goals in social media is really, yes, I can turn my camera to the worst part of what's going on in my life, or I can turn my camera to capturing something that through my lens and through my storytelling can show that God is at work. Grace is still at work in my life. And if you take the time to read my posts, you'll probably (laughs) read and figure out that it's not as perfect as it seems. And so um, certainly the goal is never, I mean, it isn't staged and I'm not trying to uh, make something beautiful. That's not true. I just think that we all have different circumstances. And so me taking a picture of my ridiculous piles of laundry might make you feel better in one second, but it may not be as much laundry as somebody else's. And so if we're going to be a comparison. So at the end of the day, I would rather turn your attention with that five seconds you pause 
and you stop your scroll with me, if you do, I would just love to have that five seconds of time where we both say there's something worthier to gaze at than our circumstances, or we can look at our circumstances through the lens of Christ. Mm, It's so helpful. There's a lot of moms who listen who are in the season of little ones and a lot of time maybe isolated or home. And I can't imagine parenting nowadays where the screen is, it's so tempting. It's right there and their gaze is on it. And and not everyone is doing what you're doing where they're pointing back to God. And so speak to her heart as she's feeling less than, maybe envying the next stage as if that's where true satisfaction is coming from. Heather, these are like the, this makes my blood, like I get, I get really <laughs> excited about this and I wish I could just reach across like mm-hmm, through this mm-hmm, screen and, mm-hmm. and literally just like hold her face and say, girl, seriously, this part of your life where it feels like nothing is blooming, nothing is growing. You're not even using your passions or your gifts or your college degree in the way you thought you would. You're raising a bunch of kids that you feel like you're the wrong person for whatever it is. I just want to hold your face and be like, girl, God knows what he's doing and he knows what he's doing. And this is not wasted. And I think that in those early years, whether it's early years of starting a family, early years of marriage, early years of figuring out your career, early years of a transition, whatever that kind of like mm, that time where we're not seeing a lot of fruit in our lives, where it's just a lot of like one foot in front of the other. And I still feel that sometimes, right? I'm not in a I don't feel arrived in a lot of areas of my life, but I think those are the times where we really have to assess and see what does it reveal about what I really think about my identity. And I, I think that this word identity is somewhat misused in our, in our day and age because we are labeling ourselves a lot more. I mean, even when I introduce myself, I regularly say things like I'm an artist, I'm an author, but those are the things that I do right at the end of the day. When the scriptures tell us who we are, it's never really labeled by the letters that come after your name or the position that you held, what you do during the day, how well you parent, what things you lead at your church. It's not really defined by that. It's defined by whether you're his, what he says about you, how he's transformed you. They're words like you are mine and you're beloved or I know you by name. Like there, there are so many things about our identity that affect us in the day to day. And I, I feel like, you know, we could probably, and we don't have ours, but Heather, you and I could sit here and come up with all sorts of practical things that get us through this season of our lives. And, and I'm all for that, but I feel like we always have to start with the fact that that for that listener out there, that's maybe listening to this on her drive, or maybe listening to this during nap time or while she's doing dishes, Whatever pops into your mind as the thing that's ailing you right now, like the thing that you're like, oh, if that, if that could just change, if we could, I could just get the job promotion or if my kid could just stop doing that, or if my husband would just listen to this request, whatever it is that it's like, oh, that's annoying. And I just, I'll get further if this will change. Usually when I think of that, whatever that thing is that pops into my mind, if I just trace it back to its origin, it's a worship issue. Mm-hmm. It's an issue of whether or not I really believe my identity is in Christ or I believe my identity is in everything going my way. And so when I think about 
your younger listeners, maybe the mom who is um, wrestling a whole bunch of little ones who won't listen to her today, um, I would say he's doing a work in your season right now that has less to do with whether or not you set up the chore chart just right, whether or not they watched the amount of TV that's not going to ruin them, you know, like have <laughs> this formulas, right? Or yeah. if you serve them right organic foods or not, it's not so much about those individual decisions as much as whether or not you as their mother, first and foremost, gaze on Christ today. Mm-hmm. Because where your trajectory, where you're gazing is really going to play out in the direction of your heart, the direction of your hands and the way you lead your family. And so, no, we, none of us do it perfectly, but just like any trajectory, just like when you drive a car, ride a horse, go for a run, every step and every direction you take will accumulate in the direction that you go in the long run. Mm, y'all repeat that. Just keep, when you have a hard day, just keep going back to that and little steps, little steps. But mm-hmm. I, I, I do agree with you. I mean, even in my own heart this summer, do you feel like, I mean, you with homeschooling, so I'm guessing busy. summer and school year, they're less of a difference, but with. No, but summer, the days are long, girl. The it's, days are long. Bedtime is like. It's like 1030 PM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. the, I posted about this last night, but I mean, that time, that two hours after dinner, I don't care who you are. I'm sure you know what. <laughs> about. There's this period of time after dinner when kids get the surge of energy and they suddenly feel like every wrestling match, every karate, you know, chop should happen right then during that time. And they should run around the house and throw blankets and throw things. And I just send them outside. (laughs) See, that's nice. You're in Colorado. Yeah. We don't have, it's too hot. It's so hot. (laughs) But we last night after dinner ended up on YouTube Googling all the boys' names, like searching, not Googling, searching all the boys' names and finding old videos. And all of a sudden, I'm like realizing this affinity for my boys grew by looking back at them as little boys and giving myself a lot more grace of, oh, we had a really good time when they were little. I remember it being overwhelming. Or there's one scene where they're all running down the hall, like insane, just screaming and going crazy. And I, I thought, oh, yeah, that was my life. But it was so sweet. And having that perspective now, I feel like one of those older ladies that's telling the younger mm-hmm. mom, it's going to go by so quickly and the days are I long know. and the years are short or whatever it is. Something else moms hear a lot is that you need to take care of yourself, self-care, but we often don't know what that looks like. And for me personally, the best self-care is when I get quiet time with my Bible and prayer and I can connect with God and what he says about me. But I've also learned over the years that I need to take care of my body. I'm pouring out to so many people and one resource that's helped me do that and I get to share with you is another one of this month's sponsors, Fab Fit. Fun. What they do is they take the guesswork out of self-care. Every season, they send me a box with full-size fitness, beauty, lifestyle products, and they connect me with great brands, often owned by women, and they give back to a charity every season. This time, it's City of Hope, which helps make the lives of cancer patients better. If you want to check it out, go to fabfitfun.com. Use the code DMA10 to save $10 off your first box. Each box is Everything in it is valued at over $200. They retail for $49.99, but with the code DMA10, you save $10 off your first box over at fabfitfun.com. All right, let's get back to my chat with Ruth. 
Here we go. Here I am in the summer and I'm struggling to fix my gaze on God. I am very quick to pick up my phone and look at Instagram for a good hour in the morning. And then I'm like, well, we'll look at a verse. And that lasted 15 minutes. And then I'm back to the Instagram and I can see the impact on my heart and how my patience level for my boys changes. Um, And I have no excuse. I don't have the excuse of, well, I've got babies and life is so full of my hands aren't busy with babies. Um, Right. But my heart is not turning towards the one who actually gives life and perspective and hope. And so what would you say to the mom who's like, she, maybe she is, her hands are full and her, she's up all night and she's exhausted and, and she's working a full-time job and also managing little ones. How do we quote unquote, make the time to worship in the everyday moments? Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind when you you talk about, I'm nodding my head over here (laughs) saying, well, you know, I get it. Um, and I always answer every question, realizing that I've got my deep answer, the philosophical more, because you know how I am. I'm I'm going to get my head. I'm going to tell you like fundamentally how I feel about it. (laughs) But then there's also the practical side. And, And so I'll start with the bigger paradigm picture in that you can't grow an appetite for something you don't have a taste for that Mm -hmm. you've never tasted. And so the reality is we've all tasted of social media and it feeds us a little bit of approval of we know what's going on or I'm keeping current with social media and news. And that feeds us and it kind of gets our mind off of the responsibilities and the stressors and, and other things. And before you know it, you've spent 30 minutes watching cat videos or getting caught up on the (laughs) gossip about this one celebrity that you've never even cared about and didn't even know about. Right. And so we end up building a taste, uh, an affection and kind of an appetite for filling the mundane with just fillers. It's like, if you kind of grow a taste for eating McDonald's French fries, no, nothing against eating McDonald's French fries every once in a while, but if that's your filler, then how are you ever going to grow a taste for really awesome sauteed Brussels sprouts that some kid might be like, Ooh, that's gross. But once you taste it and it's right done right, and you build an appetite for it, you probably don't really want a steady diet of fries, you know, at least not drive through fries all the time. <laughs> and so my point there is that the bigger picture is you do have to give yourself that experience of like on a practical level, put on an audio Bible while you go on a walk or listen to a sermon that grows your affection. Yeah. If you, if you listen to somebody as impassioned as Piper or Keller and, and all of a sudden he's preaching from something that you're like, wait, I never knew that that Psalm was talking about that. So you go to it and you now have a new appetite for it. Just like somebody telling you the best burger in town is at such and such place and you end up going, right? And so we can't expect to change our appetite if we constantly keep nibbling on the same thing Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really fill us up. And so we're always hungry and we keep staying hungry, but we keep eating empty calories. So that's like the bigger picture. But the other side of it is that I would say, you know, when younger ladies always ask me things like, um, how in the world did you find time to start Grace Laced and to build your business and do all this while you were raising six boys? And I always want to say, <laughs> number one, if you go back through my blogging archives, or if you happen to be Heather and you know me from back then, or or you just 
go back in the timeline, you'll see that I actually didn't do what I'm doing right now back then. So right. there is, there's, there are different seasons for things. But the other answer I would give is I actually blogged and didn't watch TV. So like, I can't tell you a single thing about what happened any of the seasons of The Office. I certainly have plenty of friends who love, love, love The Office, love This Is Us, love um, Downton Abbey. And seriously, I love that they love that. And if it's enjoyment for them and their families, awesome. It's just that you have to make choices. That's my point. My point is- Like a replacement. You replaced, it's not like yes. you got 24 more hours than we got. Exactly. It's the exactly. same amount of time. You're just choosing. And You're so, yeah. Right. So one person asked, Yes. They asked if you were disciplined. I am not disciplined, girl. Um, well, here's the thing. <laughs> You're I, an artist. So in my overall, mind, I would think that that would overall, be not, I'm not disciplined. Okay. Okay. No. If, if discipline means my alarm is set every single day at the exact same time, I stand up, I brush my teeth, I read my Bible for an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> and take curious notes. And then I go for a jog and then I come back and then I make a really healthy smoothie for everybody. No, I'm not disciplined. I might, that does not look like my day, but if discipline means that day by day, I make a choice to keep preaching truth to myself and remind myself of the gospel and give myself grace and say, okay, I failed today, but let's not too late. Let me turn to the word now. If that's discipline, which I think it requires self-control and discipline to do that, then yes, I'm working on my discipline day by day. So I think sometimes we make up this idea that some people, and yeah, there's different personalities and everybody's built a little differently, but sometimes we imagine that the people who achieve are the people who get it all right. Mm -hmm. And I would say that um, Christians who make progress, women who make progress are not perfecting their practicing. Like at the end of the day, it's practice. It's the constant shifting, reposturing, making a choice, which direction I'm going to go today and saying, gosh, Lord, I'm sorry that I was chasing this road. I'm resetting my, my thoughts and my, my mindset here. It's that person who's going to make progress. Um, the person who says, January 1st, I'm going to read my entire Bible this year. And you get to March and you're miserable in, and in, Leviticus. in Leviticus and you <laughs> give up because you're not perfect and you fell off four days. Yeah, you're not going to see progress because you've put yourself mm. at the center of that goal, right? Mm. It's all about me. Did I perfectly do it? And that can be the same thing for parenting or for setting goals in your home regarding chores, or it could be you know, wanting your family culture to be different, or it could be about starting a business or pursuing a project. A lot of women, and I, I guarantee, I'm hoping that there are women who are listening right now who are nodding their head. Yes. That sometimes as women, we're all or nothing. And we're like, we're either going to be amazing at this and we're going to succeed and be perfect. Or I just don't want to try at all because I didn't make it. I'm not the best. Well, and we want, we want quick results too. That's I know crazy. I do. I want fast food results. I, we, uh, I took a pickling class with a friend last week and I saw that. okay. So that's a long, that's a long game right there. Mm -hmm. And that's like hours. And then we can't even open the jars for two weeks. We're not, <laughs> this is like the opposite of fast food, <laughs> right? It. And then if it was real pickling, I mean, I would have grown the cucumbers. So we're talking seed and planting and watering and waiting and harvesting. And so that's what you're about. You're about this 
um, seasons where we're not actually seeing the vegetable, the, the growth that we're desiring, but we're being faithful for the long game of becoming who Christ wants us to be, um, which is to bring him glory, not for our own. Absolutely. When I look at, I mean, I am, it's funny to be sharing your age on a podcast, but I'm turning turning 44 in a few months, you know, and I'm sitting here looking at the last, um, you know, I've been married for 21 years and the last two decades of adulting marriage life, whatever you want to call the last two decades, um, every five to 10 years has looked completely different. We have lost hard. I mean, we've lost some some things and people that have meant the world to us. Um, we have lost deep investments of relationships and time and energy. We've also gained so many things that we never thought could be ours. Like I had, I would have never thought in a million years that what the Lord was teaching me in those hidden, seemingly wasted years where I was literally going from one room to another, consoling children, breaking up fights, dealing with my husband coming home from work, being exhausted, listening, trying to figure out what my role is and everything. I never knew that he would take that, the part where he met me there, and he would cause that to be part of the content and the heart in which I can now share with others almost a decade and a half later. Mm -hmm. And so my point is, when I say you don't have to be blooming to be growing, it wasn't just a fun little phrase that I made up for the book. It's that I really believe that we got to stop looking over the fence at somebody else's garden and going, how come peonies grow over there? How come her zinnias look all bright and beautiful? Like, am I not using the right stuff? Am I, do I not have the right fertilizer? What's the skip? And then all of a sudden you're just comparing the blooms when really stay faithful right where you are. Your everyday faithfulness is what's growing your garden. And God is at work, right? Pruning you responding to weeding, all those things that the gardening analogies and metaphors really do work and apply. And I think that's why, right? That's why the scriptures give us so many word pictures about time and seasons and growing and harvest. And I think we just aren't used to it because we're in such a hustle culture. And we're, like you said, fast food culture, fast results. And at the end of the day, it could be really easy to think that we all should arrive um, rather than celebrate that place where we're just working it out. Yeah, I love that. And I'm sure each of us can think of that little small voice, not condemnation, but conviction of a place where we could worship God in a way that we're not now. Like we, we know, we each know, and it's the choice to develop that appetite and our own, Ruth can't tell you. you, you can't say to that person that you don't know on the other side of this podcast what to do. Only God can convict them on where, and he's so gentle and he's so kind, and it doesn't have to be this big, like three hour Bible study move, but we know where our choices, like you said, the replacements need to happen and we can let God do that work there. Well, and I think that sometimes we look at our Bibles and we think our Bibles are good for salvation and telling us how to not go to hell and go to heaven <laughs> and how to be okay with God. And I'm just giving you the Sunday school answers here, right? right like right. we sometimes think, well, the Bible doesn't speak to what how I should deal with this longing in my heart. And I, I don't have children and I'm longing for children or I, I'm longing for my parents to 
reach out and accept me and be a part of my life. I am longing for a career change. I'm longing to do what this other girl has done with her gifts. Those are all the secret longings of our hearts that we sometimes don't say out loud. And we think that God is unaware. I mean, one of the chapters in my new book is about when life is unfair. Mm. I mean, do we turn to a particular book of the Bible and immediately go, that's a chapter on what we do when we've got short end of the stick or we're misrepresented or um, it feels unfair, Mm -hmm. whatever circumstance it is. Mm -hmm. Like, does the Bible do that? No, it doesn't. But you turn to the word of God and develop an appetite, not just to read your Bible, but the fact that God is knowable and he wants you to know his character. He wants to know how much he loves you. And that even if he is not speaking formulaically, the writers of the scriptures are not formulaically telling you what to do in 15 minutes when you have to go work something out with a friend, but you have the principles for that. You know the character of God. You know where to trust because at the end of the day, every action we have is really stemming out of our belief and our worship. Mm -hmm. And so how you think and how you believe and what you believe is the most beautiful and worthy of gazing at in your life will actually translate into what you do next, what your little moments every day are accumulating to be for a lifetime. So true. I mean, today for me, it was three verses in Romans and they completely just transformed my heart from grumbling to gratitude. And it was the basic okay, we've been justified, we've been saved, we've been made right with God and rescued from his wrath. And I thought, you know what? And it said, how much more? It just kept saying much more, Mm -hmm. much more, much more. And I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, if every single thing was taken away, and you mentioned this in your book about Job, like if everything was gone, I have salvation. I have salvation. And then I was talking to my son about this morning and he goes, and even if your life gets taken away, and I thought, yeah, Even if my physical life is taken away, I have salvation. I get an eternity with God and my gratitude starts there. It it was three verses that completely shifted my attitude. I mean, we had someone come look at, (laughs) we need to get treated, our house treated for termites. We need to cut down a giant tree. It's going to be like $1,200. And I was just just feeling this grumble of like, why why do we have this house? It's just falling apart in the land and we haven't really done a good job taking care of it. and And God just said, you have salvation. You know, let's start there. Let's, and he was, again, so gentle. He wasn't beating me over the head with it. Right. It was more just this like wooing of how much more, how much more. If you think about every circumstance, right? Like think through, not not that we're going to take the time to go through all the the stories, but think about every story in the Old Testament and in the New when the children of God or somebody is going through a circumstance that really is like, how are we going to cross the sea, Red Sea? How are we going to eat? How are we going to go through the desert? Every single time, the ultimate goal was not that they were provided for, but that they would know God, that they would know his presence, that they would trust in him. And um, I love that in Exodus, it even says that they would know that it was from the Lord, that the provision was from the Lord when we were talking about manna, right? And so I think about even cutting a tree down, a circumstance where you got to find 1200 bucks in your budget. <laughs> Or whatever circumstance today's listener is going through, that circumstance is not there just so that God can provide. And you could say, see, God provides quickly. Thank you. Next. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. rather that you would know his presence, that you would know the presence of God and his provision was ultimately first and foremost, that he would provide himself for you, 
And that it's the provision is not ultimately to solve your circumstance, but to secure your favor with him. And I think that changes everything. It changes our mindset. And it, it brought to mind that um, I, I feel like as I was writing Beholding and Becoming, the, the thought that I had constantly was, I so want to skip this whole period of time where everything's messy and I just want to become somebody better. I want to grow in Christ likeness. I want to be a godly mom. I want to be an effective leader. Whatever it is that I'm like, I want to become that. Right, and I'm right. going, skip this part. And the Lord continued to impress on my heart that he's actually doing that very thing today, like in this very mundane part of my life. And I saw um, that Charles Spurgeon had written, nearness to God brings likeness to God. The more you see God, the more of God will be seen in you. And I, I couldn't help but hold on to that quote as I started writing, because everything I want to be really starts with who I'm getting near to, like where I'm, where my abiding is, you know, like abiding is staying my ground, sticking close, clinging. And, um, if what Spurgeon says is true in this quote, it's that my abiding affects the transformation that happens in my likeness. Mm. Okay. Uh, I have taken, yes, that's so practical. And I've taken all of your time and I know you ever just on a whirlwind media tour, but we appreciate you, Ruth. We really do. We appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability and what you're creating. You're creating beautiful things for us to behold as we are becoming. And so y'all check out Ruth's new book. Where can they find you online? Yeah. Um, my business site is gracelace.com, but everything about speaking where you can find this podcast and every other podcast I've been on is, and all the information about the book is at ruthchosimons.com. That's R-U-T-H-C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S.com. Well, I appreciate you and um, doing this boy mom thing alongside each other. I'm learning from you. you you're a step ahead, one step ahead. Well, I'm progress as well, so I'm grateful we get to do it together. I hope this is created a new filing system for you to consider what you're worshiping, what you're beholding, what is most important to you, and that you can allow God to transform you, that his presence would transform you from the inside out, the slow becoming like him, and that we can encourage each other in that. I know that after I interviewed Ruth, I saw a friend and I let her know that I was sensing I hadn't spent enough time in God's presence. And she and I challenged each other to spend time in God's word and checked in on each other. So maybe ask a friend to do that for you. Um, I'm going to pray over us. Lord, we come before you and we pray that when our eyes are looking around and we are feeling less than, when I see where I'm falling short and believe the lie that others are better. I thank you that you whispered the truth to me that it is well with my soul because you Christ live in me. Your spirit dwells in me and I am loved by you. No person's opinion is more valuable than that identity, that position, that value. I thank you, God, that when I am lacking the faith or the belief in who you say I am, that you are the one who's faithful, that you will establish me, that you will guard me against the evil one, that you will even direct my heart back to your love. When my heart is wandering for the love of something else, that you can point my heart back to your love and to Christ's steadfastness, his 
centering his firm foundation and that you are this God of peace that gives us peace at all times in every way and that you are with us always. In Jesus name, amen. Okay, y'all have a great week. And if you do want more from Ruth, make sure you go over to olaheather.com and sign up because we'll be sending out that bonus episode next Monday. And if you're listening to this later, like a week after, and you're like, oh, I missed the deadline, just send us an email. Let us know that you missed it and you want that link and we can get it to you. All right, we'll see you back here next Monday. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.